Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body here at Desert Springs Church. I am Mr. H. I'm here with Mr. J. And we have some um, really special guests in town uh, from North Africa, Mr. and Mrs. C. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. You should explain that joke. No, everybody knows exactly what we're doing here. Um, now, these are these are some of our workers that are that we sent out uh, to North Africa to uh, plant and grow and minister in uh, in North Africa. So, for security reasons, we're going to just stick with Mister and Mrs. C. Um, but I'm Drew, and this is Chase, and we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll get to know you guys a little bit better because this is Missions Emphasis Week for our church. So we thought we're just going to have you guys plastered all over everything. And we're just going to just ring you out and get every drop of of relationship and content we can <laughs> out of out of you guys. So, uh, so thanks for taking the time. And uh, just tell us real quick, um, how long have you guys been in the States? And then... Uh, and then how's your family doing? Tell us about your kids and, and what you guys have gotten to do so far. And then we'll go into a little bit more of your backstory. Yeah, thanks for, for having us. We've been uh, looking forward to this with excitement as regular listeners to the podcast and also a little bit of dread oh, of course. to be sitting behind the microphone, but <laughs> here we are. Um, we got into the States May 23rd, I think. We flew into Phoenix to see Miss, Mrs. C's parents who are out there. And uh, just give us a, a quiet place to kind of get through jet lag and mm. uh, reacclimate to America post-COVID. I think we're post-COVID or on the tail end of it. Figure out how things are different here compared to North Africa. Mm. And we got into Albuquerque uh, the day after Memorial Day. So it was that June 3rd, 2nd or 3rd, yeah. the Tuesday after Memorial Day. So we've been in Albuquerque now about a week. And uh, it's been good seeing family. Uh, we came to church this last Sunday for the first time. And man, it, it's just, it is fantastic every time we get to come back. Mm. I'm just sobbing during worship and mm. pastoral prayers and seeing all these people together, the fellowship. It is it is such a sweet occasion yeah. to join let's, you. Let's, let's dig it down on that a little bit and just tell, uh, share share with everybody why it's so significant when you, when you do come back and, and specifically the gathering. I'd love to hear from both of you guys what the gathering means to you and why why it's special. Sure. Well, I mean, for the past, uh, I guess, five years uh, in our context in North Africa, uh, we've had a church that consists of four people. Hmm. So Mrs. C and myself and Mr. G and his wife, Mrs. G. And we have uh, a number of kids between our two families. So we gather every Sunday and we, we sing songs. And for the first four years or so, a lot of the, a lot of the time we would sing along to Spotify so we'd have the music there and then, you know, had the lyrics pulled out. And sometimes Mr. G would play the guitar. Mm. Um, but it was a very small, intimate setting mm -hmm. every week, week in, week out. And in the summers, uh, every other summer, one of our families would re return here to the States. And so we live in a, a city where there are no other um, expats, no other foreigners. And so we would do uh, church just as our family mm -hmm. for the two or three months that the other family was here in the U.S., so being able to come back where there's a, a vibrant body, mm. a lot of faces we know, people mm. we love, people we know love us, um, it's just it's just overwhelmingly sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I think too, just that experience of large communal worship mm. is just really, really sweet to the soul. Hearing all of the saints singing around you and your heart is encouraged, being reminded of those truths. And we sing the same songs. Yeah. 
in North Africa, but it's just a different emotion that comes back. And I would imagine it's really similar to a lot of people here who could not attend church for the season of COVID right. and then came back. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so you guys, we were joking before we started. I don't know you at all. <laughs> um, I've heard so much about you. I'm so glad that we get to sit down. This is the first time we've sat down. So I don't really know what your background is or, or your stories, but I'm assuming that you guys grew up or had some experience as adults of being in the corporate worship gathering, big church, and then you've made this huge transition for your family going into this this small, very, very small church context. So mm-hmm. maybe can, could you guys just share a little bit about your background, your upbringing, and, and even how you ended up in Albuquerque? Um, I grew up Catholic, and then I became a true believer in Christ. I was saved when I was in college mm-hmm. around 21. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I lived overseas in China doing missions for several years, which is how I met Mr. C. And um, I moved to Albuquerque when we were going to get married. And so then we kind of planted our lives here in Albuquerque. Um, we started going to Desert Springs in 2007, I would guess. Um, before we had our first child. Yeah, so I grew up here in Albuquerque. I uh, went to college in Phoenix and then went overseas also after college for a two-year term. Um, I was stationed in, in the Middle East and served on a media role, a graphic designer, creating materials to send back, adv- advocacy materials uh, to send back to supporting churches uh, here in the States. Like Mrs. C mentioned, uh, we met at the training before we went overseas. Mm. And uh, just in the process of that two to three year commitment being overseas, we started emailing, dated transcontinentally, mm. and uh, yeah. got a chance to really get to know each other. Mm. Uh, just Serious long distance dating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Before <laughs> Skype. Before. Oh, man. Wow. Anything. Yeah, we still had to, like buy, had to buy phone cards. Was this with a certain missions organization that you guys were... Yeah, we were both uh, journeymen with journeymen. the Southern Baptist okay. Convention. Yeah, that's great. SBC. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, so that's we, great. we came back to Albuquerque in, in um, well, I came back in 2004. Uh, my dad had uh, been diagnosed with brain cancer, so I came back early. Mm. I ended my term early to help take care of him uh, before his passing. So you, journeymen, most people maybe don't know what that means. I think that's one of the coolest programs ever because it's for... <laughs> Young people, really, like post-college mm-hmm. um, people that have already gotten that uh, that bug for missions mm-hmm. that have thought, man, I really think this is where the Lord is calling me. And it's and it's a great, it's a two-year, usually two-year stint where you get to kind of explore that. So how did you guys get interested in missions in the first place? Was it when you were in college? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was really involved with the, we used to call it the Southern, uh, uh, what do we call that? The SB, SBU? BSU? Southern Baptist U- Union? BSU. 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 There we go. Yeah. Gosh, that's all right. Now brain. You've been gone too long. Yes. Man. You've been gone yeah. too long. The BSU. There we go. Yeah. Uh, was really involved with the BSU, and uh, so there was a strong push at our BSU, sending out summer teams through Focus International, mm. um, just a, an emphasis on you know the three things that are eternal are God, His Word, and the souls of people, and so mm. let's be intentional to be investing in those those three areas. Um, ironically, I never went overseas while I was in college, um, but in the summers, I worked up here at Glorietta Conference Center, north of Albuquerque, and uh, the IMB every two years used to have a missions emphasis week that mm-hmm. would come through, and they would have all of their people who were stateside come to this conference center, and I, I was the sound guy, and so I got to sit for 60 hours a week and hear wow. testimony and story mm-hmm. after 
testimony and story. Yeah. And uh, it just really made an impact. And so when I graduated college, I thought, hey, I think this is this would be a, a good thing. There, were, there was a lot of formation that had been yeah. in place. And that was... Mrs. C., how about you? In college, I was studying international relations um, with a focus on the Middle East. So I was studying Arabic in college before I was a believer. And then once I became a believer, I felt like God very easily turned that towards missions. Um, so I studied abroad for a semester in Jordan, and I felt like that really increased my heart um, to see people who so clearly had no idea of what the gospel was, see them come to know him. Um, I also was involved with Christian Challenge at um, my university, and I went on a few focus trips after becoming a believer. And um, so for me, it just felt like one natural step mm -hmm. after another. And I ended up overseas because I wanted to see if that was what I wanted to do long term. Mm. Um, so it, it was a great experience. Um, this is, we're going to the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention next week. So this is, I've just been thinking about this. And yeah. that makes me so proud and happy to think <laughs> that, you know, the contributions that churches make to the International Mission mm -hmm. Board mm -hmm. helped pay for you guys to go do this. And that, and it did what it was meant to do, which yeah. was yeah. make you guys want to be missionaries. It's, it's also really neat to just trace the hand of God providentially mm -hmm. in both your lives as you, as he brought you together and then, mm -hmm. and kind of separately, uh, brought you to a place where your, your heart and mind and, and body was ready to, uh, to go out, mm -hmm. uh, to be sent. Uh, really thankful for that. So tell us now how you got to uh, North Africa and what what that process was like. You had you both had previous experience in the field, and then when did North Africa be become part of that uh, for you guys? Sure. So we we got married in two thousand five, uh, and I was entering into a three year graduate program at that time, and so um, Meredith had a really strong desire to get back as quickly as possible back overseas. And I was kind of like, man, we've, we've just started this three-year graduate program. We'll have some time afterwards where I'll need some experience in my, my field, pay off some student loans. Like, we want to get back overseas, but it's going to be some time. Uh, during that time, too, you know, God um, blessed us. We started having kids, raising a family. Um, and around 2008, probably about a year after being here at DSC, uh, we met Clint. Uh, we had dinner with Parker and Laura Landis, and Clint and Joanna Moore were there. And so that was the first time we met Clint. And he was at that time uh, beginning to look at um, figuring out how, how DSC could send workers, send missionaries out to an unengaged people group. And I think the elders at that time had just decided uh, to send or to focus on the people group uh, where we're, we're actually working mm -hmm. at now. Yeah. Um, so we, we agreed with Clint. Clint asked us, and we agreed to work with him to help develop a program for the church here uh, to send out people. And through the course of, of working in that capacity, uh, we both just realized, man, we, we really want to get back overseas. Mm. We're at this amazing church that is that is focusing on on Christ and his bride, the church, and the, the right uh, relationship, the right priority of those things. And uh, this would be a great way to, to get back overseas. Now, but technically, DSC didn't didn't send you guys out, right? So you guys were part of uh, Redemption Church, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah te technically, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was that was a part of, of your journey. Yeah. We, we you guys helped plant uh, Redemption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you became an elder yeah. there, right? Yep. And then yep. uh, and then 
Redemption sent you guys out. Yeah. We're glad to have you and, <laughs> and, and, and claim you as our own. Uh, but it's just neat to see how the Lord worked through that transition from DSC mm-hmm. to Redemption and then and then out and uh, and back and through and over and up again and, yeah. <laughs> and around we go. So uh, so we're thankful. We're thankful that you're you're there. Um, but t- give us give us a preview of maybe the first first year of when you guys decided, okay, we're going. Uh, this is this is real for us, Mrs. C. Tell us tell us what that first that first few months to a year was like for you guys. Well, DSC really wanted to make sure that we were well equipped to go. Um, so once our family and also the G's right around the same time um, decided that we wanted to go out, they created this very intensive um, study program that mm. we went through. We met once a week. Once a week for almost two, two and a half years, um, going through Old Testament history, Islamics, just this huge gamut of um, courses that they wanted us to learn so that we would be well equipped. Um, This whole time, Mrs. G and I were having children, so there were always Mm. babies in Mm. tow in playing in another room or in their car seats. Um, So it was a really long journey, but we're so thankful for it because we felt so well-equipped to go. You basically got a seminary degree. (laughs) Without credits. (laughs) Right, (laughs) uncredited. Um, What what years would that have been? Um, Like 2009 to 2011. Okay, so that was right when I got here. Yeah, Yeah. I I thought I remember you guys... Yeah, because yeah, right, we had a second born by that point. She was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was there. Man, that brings back memories too. Because yeah. I mean, I'm remembering we, there were some some teenagers at the at the church here yes. who would come in every week, yes. the same night every week, to watch our three three young babies mm-hmm. in a different yeah. room, so we could sit and study. We went, we went yep. through Grudem systematic from cover to cover, oh, wow. and mm-hmm. we saw these big, big tomes. textbooks. Yeah, mm-hmm. tomes, mm-hmm. and. Um, Man, just reflecting on the sweetness of the body, yeah. caring for our family, even in that yeah. That's act really of preparation. Cool. Yeah, yeah, mm. that takes it takes a church. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, to send to send you out. So for all of that preparation, then you actually get to your country. Did you still feel? I know, I know, people feel that when they come out of seminary and then they go into ministry and they're like, "There was so much I wasn't prepared for." Did Did you feel some of that? Absolutely. I don't I don't think anything can prepare you to live in a different culture or context mm-hmm. or language except being there. Yeah. Um I think the training that we got gave us such a strong biblical foundation though that when we hit difficult times we knew we knew what to fall back on and it was so great that we went through all that training with the G's because it really helped to knit us together when we were the only ones there. Um we knew how to encourage one another and how to walk with one another. Um, so it was great. But yeah, I don't I don't think anything can fully prepare you for it yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, and that the first year, year and a half on the field, you're just shell shocked too from learning culture and language, <laughs> mm. which isn't part of the training we had here. Mm. Um, yeah. but the training we had here helped us relationally to be connected and to be processing through these things through a, a strong biblical lens. Um, now we've got a, a group of nine adults, uh, mm-hmm. so we've, we've more than doubled in size. And so it's been neat to see that same ethos, that same culture that we had with the four of us and seeing that passed on and spread so that 
this is this is the normative function for our team. It's kind of your DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Team. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Why don't you uh, talk to us uh, about your your day job there? Uh, what what work you're doing there? Uh, Mr. C, you can start, and then Mrs. C, you can tell us what what your day to day operations ha- have been like. And and remind me, how long you, have you guys been in the field? Now? We've been there six years. Six years, yeah. awesome. Wow. So, what have you been doing for six years? Yeah, well, <laughs> so always learning language and learning culture. Uh, there's a never-ending spring of that to, yep. to drink from. Yep. But uh, I'm a trained physical therapist, a licensed physical therapist here in the states. And uh, the country we're in uh, is, not, is not open to having missionaries come in as missionaries. And so you have to have a valid reason for being there. Uh, and so uh, I work with a nonprofit group, uh, with a partner, partner agency in our country, in North Africa. And we work at a children's therapy center. It's, it's basically a not-for-profit therapy center uh, serving kids who wouldn't have the means to uh, have access to physical therapy if we weren't there. Uh, disability in in the developing world, especially in North Africa, is really high. There's a high incidence of cerebral palsy and just different uh, complications from birth. And so we see a lot of kids, and the medical management after birth is very different than it, than it is here in the states. And so you may have a kid here in the U.S. who's born with the same problem, uh, but it's addressed within the first months of life, mm. whereas it's never addressed in North Africa. Mm. And so we just see a lot of uh, different different problems. It's been a great reason to be there because we're, uh, with with the job I'm doing, we're actually loving and caring for these children and their families. Yeah. And that's that that translates across culture and, and beyond language. Um, but being able to, to, to love children through uh, provision of physical therapy has Meeting been a blessing. those physical needs for, yeah. for these people that hopefully opens doors for relationships. And, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for, for relationships with the families, but I think even more than that, um, what, what Mrs. C and myself has seen is, is it opens up doors for us in the community with people who are more our peers so, socioeconomically because they, they see what we're doing and they're just kind of blown away uh, by it. And there's questions, uh, why would you do this, which is an open doorway to say, well, there's, there's this God who, who loves people and you know, these children are created in God's image and an opportunity then to share the gospel with our, our friends and the people who know us. That's amazing. Yeah. Is that a cultural, would you say maybe um, a cultural difference there where it, it doesn't make sense that you would be serving these kids that way? Yeah. I don't know that it's so much cultural, but it, it's, it's definitely strange. I mean, they view mm. everyone there wants to eventually try to get to America, mm. whether it's even just temporarily to work or to see it. And so to have people move from America to North Africa and to the small, the small town in North, North Africa, why would you do that? And and so uh, those are questions we've heard over the years. Mm, yeah, yeah. I get asked that when I say I was I lived in Florida <laughs> and, and moved to Albuquerque from Florida because I think people just have this picture of like pa- tropical paradise and you're just you know sipping drinks on the beach. So uh, Mrs. C, you've got four kiddos. Tell yeah. us about your kiddos and then what your work has been like uh, for these last six years. Okay, um, we do have four children. We have. Um our oldest daughter is 13. Our second um, child is, uh, he turned 12 in the spring. And then our next daughter is 11, about to be 12. And then our youngest is nine. Um, when we first moved to North Africa, our all four of our kids immediately went into a local school so that they could learn the French and Arabic they would need to live there and to free Mr. C and I up to learn language. Yeah. Um, 
So they were all in the local school for the first couple of years and slowly, like one kid at a time, basically we've started homeschooling them for different needs. Mm-hmm. Um, our one son has special needs, so he was kind of the first one to come out so mm-hmm. he could really focus on English. And then the next year or two years later, um, two more came home. And then this last year, all four kids have been in the home homeschooled. Um, we do have a wonderful woman from Christ Church who has come out, and one of her main focuses is working with our special needs son. So that's yeah. been a huge provision of God that enables us to stay and do the work that we're doing. Praise God. Yeah, we are so thankful um, for that gift. And the other three, um, I am primarily homeschooling them. So, um, we're thankful that all of that came after a time where I had hit a decent level of Arabic. So I am mm. able to communicate. I'm able to share with people. I'm able to uh, participate in the community. Oh, good. Um, but in my day-to-day, a lot of my life right now is home, teaching the kids, um, running errands, meeting friends, um, you know, here and there in the afternoons, yeah. like when we're free. Um, and then, uh, just in the past three months, four months, we've been able to start meeting with our Arabic gathering of brothers and sisters again. So that's been really sweet to be able to attend that and see the other believers again. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Just to remind everybody listening, you guys had to learn French and a dialect of Arabic, uh, to, to be able to function, (laughs) Uh, in in your town in North Africa, because the education is mostly in French, right? And the kids had to learn French for school. Yeah, the the public education is split. Um, so half of their instruction is in French and half in Arabic, but they're covering the same topics. So they do science in French and then science in Arabic, math in both languages. It's crazy. It <laughs> is crazy. Um, Mr. C and I kind of actually skipped a step. We did not learn French. We just know the Arabic dialect. Okay. We just really wanted to. Do you find to... that that hinders you guys? much or somewhat what? okay um not very much in relationships which right. we consider to be the because most on the, important on the street part. it's all it's all, all arabic. arabic yeah it's all arabic yeah in all of our interactions with neighbors believers yeah. anybody it's just arabic yeah i think in some of the bigger cities french mm-hmm. could be more useful because yeah. people there may speak more french than arabic or use french more often want to use french more often yeah but in our city it's just it's it's the heart language mm-hmm. of the nation mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so d- talk to us about this last year, this last calendar year, <laughs> what has what has the uh, the COVID saga been like uh, for you guys in North Africa? Yeah, so I guess it was in March uh, when things really started to ramp up, uh, at least at least in our country. And so uh, our country went into a hard lockdown from March through towards the end of June, so a solid three months. Mm. And what hard, is a hard lockdown? Yeah, exactly. So a hard lockdown means that. Uh, the, the police went through every neighborhood to every home and gave each household one one permission slip, one piece of paper that had the stamp the of, a, of a local authority. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it was for one person, not at a time, but one person. Period, who was allowed to leave the house. And so I, I received that permission slip, and you were allowed to leave the house to go to the the hospital, like if you were sick, the pharmacy to get medicine, or the 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 grocery store. Wow. And so for more than three months or about three months, Meredith and the kids didn't step step foot outside the front door of our property. Um, And so we were in the house. We have have a rooftop patio, uh, probably like 
20 foot by 15 foot. So it's it's big enough you can move around on, but it's... You can wow. play four square on it. Play four square, <laughs> mean, mean round of four square. Mm. Um, and we, we had a hammock upstairs on the, the rooftop patio. And then we have a, a small space downstairs, which is basically the driveway. It's the space between the street and our garage. And it's, it's literally just one car length long mm. and about as wide. Um, and so we'd spend time down there as well to be outside. But yeah, we were inside the house for three months. Lockdown. Oh, How wow. do the kids do with that? Um, they did okay. In some ways, it was a blessing because it was. It started off as two weeks, and it went to a month, and it, they just kept gradually extending the time. Um, that sounds familiar. We we experienced that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I heard you guys had <laughs> something like that. Um, whereas if we had known. I'm not going to step foot outside for three months. I think that would have been harder in a way. Um, but they they did pretty well. In some ways, we were in the middle of the school year, so homeschooling kept on going. Mm-hmm. Our oldest daughter was still in uh, private school at the time, and so she had to do all of her schooling on WhatsApp. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with, what, with yeah. that, but she... <laughs> All of the children in her class, they created a group, and the teacher would like type on at, you know, 801, salamu alaikum, and everyone would write back, hi, I'm here, it's so-and-so. And then they would send audio messages and text messages back and forth for each course from like 9 to about 3 in the afternoon. Oh, man. So Bananas. that was very hard for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but... We also had our son's teacher moved in with us during that lockdown. Um, we have a little guest room upstairs. And that was actually such a blessing because mm. she just made it fun for the kids. She planned like game nights and theme nights that just really kind oh, of wow. kept us going. So by God's grace, it was not as hard as it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they also closed uh, airspace with virtually every other country. Yeah. Uh, and then they slowly reopened it with a handful of countries, one of which thankfully was America. Mm. So we were able to fly back directly from from our country mm. uh, in May, this this last May. Yeah. Um, they, you were not allowed to travel between cities uh, without first getting a special authorization. Um, and so there were just steps involved. And those steps usually take several hours because it's it's just the, the culture of North Africa. Mm. And so you, you wouldn't do that unless you really needed to, to travel for some reason. Yeah. And all of these restrictions really impacted the your ability to gather, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even after the lockdown happened, there were no gatherings allowed. Mm. Um, and so we, we wanted to figure out how do we honor the government? How do we obey? How do we still encourage one another? Um, so that was really tricky to navigate. Um, so we did start meeting AM briefly in the fall, and then more restrictions came. We had really strict curfews and more rules on gathering. And so then finally in the spring, um, things started to lift. So we were able to start meeting again. Like February of this year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's something. Praise the Lord. He sustained you guys and mm-hmm. sustained uh, your, your your body there, mm-hmm. uh, the local believers, and uh, and then the, the expats as well. Um, so, yeah, really thankful for the Lord's grace to you guys. Um Give us some some ways we can pray for you guys and, and moving forward um, as you guys uh, just continue the rest of your uh, respite here for the summer, and then and then once you get back uh, to North Africa and hit the ground running, um, uh, you you mentioned you guys are, are gathering again, which praise mm-hmm. the Lord for that. Uh, so pray for yeah for strength 
in that gathering? Um, and then uh, what are some other ways we could pray for you guys? I think uh, a couple of requests for this summer. Uh, first would be that we would be able to, um, to, to congregate and communicate well with people. We really want to meet with the, the different community groups here at Desert Springs mm-hmm. uh, to share about the work that we're seeing God doing in North Africa and, and to be able to share prayer requests from the field with people. Um, and we want to be able to communicate that well. Um, I think we'd appreciate prayers too, just for our, our hearts. Um, it's just been a, a long two years as it mm-hmm. has been for, for most of the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, but come back this time feeling a little more crispy, I think, than previous mm-hmm. home leaves. Um, so we're looking forward to God and his kindness, meeting our needs, strengthening us through, through the body here in Albuquerque. Um, and, and, you know, meeting with people and having that good fellowship with uh, an abundance of believers mm-hmm. that, that we lack. Um, I think I'd also pray, I'd ask for prayers for our kids. Um, one of the things that we see as a, as a sacrifice living overseas is our four kids, you know, initially for our term overseas, only had four adults speaking gospel truth into their lives. And I think, and two of those were their parents, right? So I think a lot of times <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's just mom and dad talking. Mm. Um, but the opportunity for them to hear from so many people around them here, mm. both both peer age as well as adults, mm. you know, this isn't just a mom and dad thing. This is, this is bigger than... Mm. Uh, than our family. Yeah, two of your kids got to go to youth camp recently. Yeah, and they had a good time. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Well, we're going to get to hear more from you guys. So if you're if you're listening, uh, hopefully you were able to go go to the uh, the Saturday seminar coming up. You guys are going to be sharing a bit there, Mm -hmm. um, but only if you go in person. So you have to be there in person because we're not going to be live streaming you guys um, at the Saturday seminar. Uh, So hopefully you were able to go to that. And then, uh, and then throughout the week, uh, you guys will be be around, and and for the rest of the summer, uh, you're going to be in and out as you do some travel. Uh, so we can be praying for that as you you travel around the states and mm-hmm. and see family and friends and and partners. Um, but we're just so grateful for you guys and for your gospel partnership um, uh, across the ocean um, and doing doing the work you're doing. So thanks for taking the time today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. If you have questions about uh, the missions that we engage in, both in North Africa and uh, other places, or questions for me or Drew or ideas about the podcast or anything, if you need anything at all, just email us, info at dscabq.com. And until then, uh, let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper. Cactuses. Cactuses. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah, look at that. Oh, this is gonna, this is gonna sound horrible. Just get really close here like this. Talk like this softly into the mic. You gotta use your NPR voice. Yeah, you wanna be right right here and just talk. Try not to clear my throat too much. We're tuned in today to 89.1 KUNM. Hmm. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. <laughs>